You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Everybody, we are live here on Nerd to Know Media, the Wrestling Rewind, and all that other good stuff because it is time for From the Dark. Dave, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing excellent. And it's a great day. Oh my gosh, it's a great month. It's a great half year to be back from the dark. Our uh, yeah. our farewell was uh, much to do, and we are back. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been a minute. Anyway, I'll tell you that much. Um, a lot of tech issues. I think if anyone is watching on the Rewind channel, um, they've seen a bunch of new content going up. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye there of what's going on. But tonight we have uh, a very interesting show lined up. It's all got to do with lost histories, the Vatican archives, and um, ancient museums and the whole idea of museums. So we have a lot to actually kind of look at. And um, it's a pretty interesting topic, Dave. I don't know how much you know about it, but... Uh, well, you know, Dara, let's let's make something clear here. Why are you and I in any way, shape, or form qualified to talk about anything involving history? I mean, we're just two random people on the internet who likes to talk about random conspiracies, aren't we? We don't have anything in our bag of tricks that gives us some knowledge, would be by chance? Yeah, well, in a past life, in a past you and life. I, in a past life, you and I both did. Uh, are both fellows of history, as such. We both have degrees in history, um, and I myself got a good bit through uh, a postmaster's graduate in uh, classics. So, yeah, I think we're quite qualified to talk about it. But in the time doing the masters, and then um, you know a little bit beyond that, thanks Irish government for pulling funding from beyond that but hey not bitter right hashtag not bitter uh, <laughs> hashtag save dave i got two new followers this week follow me on twitter at the dave stevens i'm throwing that at the front of the show for those of you that don't make it to the end well this doesn't go on phoenix fm so it doesn't get it doesn't get cut it doesn't get the axe of time which uh sadly the rewind very often does well it also but, doesn't uh, get the axe of time of people turning the feet off after an hour and i say it in the last second I just want, That's I'm fair. putting it up front right now. Follow me on Twitter at the Dave Stevens. That's Do fair. It. That's fair. Uh, but what actually kind of got me interested in this was there was um, a few things actually. Um, like I've always been kind of interested in Roman culture as a culture and how similar it is to us. Um, and people just kind of forget that because they think that they were like more high class or whatever. And the truth is they really weren't. They just didn't have iPhones. Um, but one of the cool things that they did have is museums, right? Mm. And the whole concept of looking back at the history and, you know, you go to Rome now and obviously I lived there and, you know, it was amazing. I was working as a tour guide. So I'm very familiar with all the museums that are in Rome. Um, People don't think about that though. People think, oh, we have museums now because we're the modern culture. And so we're looking back people don't realize that museums also existed in those cultures as well as they looked back to their before times 
Yeah, I think that's what's what well, I think that's what's really interesting about it. Like there's very few um evidence of what was in them and how they work. Now there's a bit, but it was kind of a different kind of thing where like public spaces acted as like a museum as such where art was kind of displayed and it was a lot more kind of public. But there were some interesting um kind of like the, the museums that kind of worked and it's on the screen now this is a great book by tp wiseman it's called the myths of rome it's it's kind of expensive um and i love it so i actually got it a couple of years ago um and this kind of goes into some of the weirder elements of roman society um and basically like instead of instead of looking back to their history they would look at things as fact so myths were fact for them in the way like Trojan War was a thing and all these other kind of things so anything that would attach to a great myth would be considered history and you kind of see some of that today with with the Greek um, the Greek history uh, archaeological museum where you can see stuff from Mycenae or like that where it's all the things from Troy and even how museums kind of came into vogue as such um, with Schliemann and stuff like that where they initially said hey we want to um, we want to find Troy Yes. And we taught for years that Troy was fake, that that was a myth. And then they found it. <laughs> and then they found Mycenae. And then they found everything else that... Same would... way with Jericho. Absolutely. You can actually see... I've actually seen a bit of the walls of Jericho in the British Museum. It's Now, here's the thing. When you, watch, when you see it, it's like it's off to the side. And unless you know what you're looking for, you're going to miss it. But it exists, you know. And what's interesting about it is, like, you know, we have this kind of perception that as you said you know we're the dominant culture we're the best culture that we think that everything that happened before is just lies and it's not <laughs> you know so this is what kind of pulls me to this level and we will talk about the vatican secret archives that's coming up that this is kind of like a split conversation because what, what's interesting about it is it's like well why did you keep stuff why do you archive things this goes all the way back this is something that we can see from the roman period and what's cool about it is as i said you know looking back to this it, there's not loads of references to it because it is kind of hard to find and remember a lot of stuff from rome was was kept by elites and stuff like that so you wouldn't really have the time to figure this out and you know what we do have was burned mainly but well it was burned it was moved to turkey also mm. the vast 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 majority of the planet was not literate so they wouldn't have had access to this information even if it was sitting in front of them. And for me, one of the things that always comes to mind is when I go back and I look at the writings of Josephus and he talks about how there were giant bones just displayed out in the museums and things along those lines. And that for him is, you know, he's talking about contemporary things and we think of it as, well, that's so many thousands of years in the past that he must be, it must just be myths and legends, yeah, and yet there's, they actually exist. Yeah. And that's what makes it incredible yeah. is they and that's provide it. And that's... a framework for what we consider to be myths. But that's the thing, that's a very good comparison because Jovesus obviously is a Jewish, um, Jewish historian mm -hmm. and he is been overlooked the discussion of Jesus and um, around the time period. So he's quite a valuable source in that sense. 
you touch on something that is very interesting there because there is a piece of work called the Service Octus, right, which lists these talismans of empire where great symbols of the Roman Empire from the Roman period, right, from the Imperial Rome period or a little bit before. And these were public displays of things that they had. Not giants, because giants aren't really that important to the Romans as such, um, but there's the ages of the Great Mother. Um, mm -hmm. So this probably refers to the Mother Cult from Asia Minor in 2004, uh, sorry, 204 BC. And this was kept on the Palatine. So if anyone doesn't know, there's seven hills in Rome. There's the and the two main ones were the Palatine Hill, the Capitol Hill, right? Which is where Americans get the right. Palatine it's Hill. It's almost Palatial. like it all ties in together. It's almost like there's some weird shared history that certain groups keep perpetuating, uh, keep going into modern times. Almost, almost. Absolutely, absolutely. So the Palatine Hill is obviously the, the Roman emperors lived, so this would have been. Is that where Emperor Palatine is from? No, but that's where his name comes from. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the next one was the scepter of Priam, and Priam was the king of Troy. Right, weren't his scepter was kept, and then it was displayed. And what's interesting about that, the Romans actually believed themselves to be the progenitors of. Right, they were literally descendants to Troy. Literally, that's where they saw themselves, and Augustus was really into that. That's what he kind of did as well. Really important to them. The next one is the Vale of Ilona, and um, for anyone who doesn't know, Troy was also known as Ilium, so that's kind of a play on her. And this also ties into the Troy story. The next one uh, is also the Palladian. The Palladian was this little small statue of Athena and it was held in the Holy of Holies in Troy. So you can see the three of them were already from Troy and this is a myth. But it wasn't. And we but know it wasn't. it wasn't. And in fact, we know now that exactly. our descendants, in fact, came from the Palladian galaxy. So it makes no just trying to throw Dara off with his super serious historical take but you know it does make you <laughs> it it does make you wonder when you look back on things and we say okay well all these crazy things the Romans believed in they were myths and then over time through science and through archaeology we're actually able to not just prove these things but really explore these things in depth and then the question that that brings to me as the forefront is, well, what about the things that the Babylonians believed? What about their mystery religions? Could those have really have been truths that we well, that, thousands of years later treat as myths and then thousands of well, years see, past that, we say, oh, well, they thought it was myths, so they must have been. Well, see, what's interesting about this is and what's important is all these, these talismans were important to the specific narrative that they were trying to put out at the time mm -hmm. and while they they should they show hey look you know this stuff existed right mm -hmm. it also shows well where were they shown the capitol hill isn't far from the palatine hill which isn't far the roman forum and these were all shown around the same time so where these were housed in the capitol hill 
in the Temple of Vesta on the Palatine Hill. Why were Well, because they were trying to associate power with each other. And it's, you know, if you look at it through that lens, it makes a heck of a lot more sense than, well, this stuff didn't happen. It's like, it happened, but power is still controlling. Knowledge is still gifting people what they want to see. And this is something that we can see in on that's really going to be put into stark contrast. But to finish this off... I think... Oh, sorry, um, finish. I have a point after, but I want to I hear your final point sure. first. To finish this off, uh, the other ones were the Ashes Oros Testes, and that's from, obviously, if you've read Euripides, you know who Austerstes is. Um, and then there's a, a big uh, Veritian Teriaka uh, chariot of Jupiter. Uh, sorry, in Jupiter's temple of Kin Tarquin, who was one of the uh, the the last kings of Rome, because uh, Romans didn't really like kings, and this was obviously for him. Um, but yeah, they're like big ones, you know. And none of this stuff exists. Um, none of this stuff might have ever existed. But if it wasn't for that small little bit of, you know, textual textual evidence that we have uh, from that book. Um, I was there, but it's it's interesting that book in our history. It's very often overlooked, and it's very important to kind of just look at the minutia because that's actually our, that's where the truth for all the stuff in small books in obscure languages and often hidden away. You know, as I said, study classics for years. Yeah, wouldn't have looked into that. Uh, only for the fact that that's what I like and that's, you know, always kind of stuck with me. Um, I looked into this, but I think it does draw a great comparison to how this stuff was used in the past. And maybe when we talk about something that might not exist or you might dismiss, well, it's worth looking into it in a bit more detail. But it's very interesting to note that the Romans had their own museums the Etruscans probably had their own museums. The Greeks definitely had their own museums. We then we then we don't know, you know. But who doesn't say that the the Sumerians didn't? Who say that the Egyptians didn't? You know, and what did they show? Well, history to them was a lot closer than it is now. So their myths were probably shown as history. Well, Egyptians certainly had their museums. They they just mm. sort of had Absolutely. living museums, if you will. I mean, you look at the Great Pyramid, and we know that they were nothing more than initiation temples, but we're taught in modern day that, oh, no, this would have been a burial site, when more it had to do with the Osirian myth tale. Not 100% sure. We haven't dug far enough down. But you said something, so that I don't go off on a tangent there, you said something that made me pop in my head and wonder. You said they were displayed mm. for power. And one of the things yeah. that that made me think about is the way that Germany during the 1900s would specifically seek out ancient artifacts in order to use them in ceremonial displays because they believed that they would imbue with them a sense of power and a sense of mystique over the population that would almost bespell their populace. And it makes me wonder, something that I always come back to, the more we dig into any sort of ancient history or hidden or forbidden knowledge, I just keep coming to this point where I go, but 
maybe there's a reason that you have to keep certain things hidden away. As much as I love history and I want to know everything that's out there, I always keep coming back to this place of, well, maybe it's not such a bad thing if there really is a chamber under the uh, under the pall of the Sphinx that we haven't gotten down to. Maybe we're not ready as humanity mm. to quite yet fully understand what those objects are for. Maybe we have to reach a, and I'm not going like hippie woo-woo on you guys here this early in the show, I promise, but maybe there is a certain level of consciousness that we need to achieve as a human race before we're ready for this sacred knowledge of the ancients. So as we go back and we see that things are hidden away in archives, it always makes me wonder hmm. if maybe, maybe it's okay for stuff to be hidden away until we're really ready as a, as a, as a global civilization to accept the knowledge. Because it's only given to the elites, essentially, right? And at a certain point, as long in, in as it's a, not being used to corrupt, is that bad? Hmm sense i think it's it's more a case of well where does it come from and what is it and if it's legitimate or not and that's where mm. i'd kind of draw the line but well that's um, where we see all the problems with, with jesus artifacts pieces of the cross that are sent out to all of these churches 300 years after the crucifixion i mean how do you validate any of these pieces and well, so there that's is, that's there, kind there, of the the juxtaposition to the actual artifacts that you're speaking of wouldn't you say there is a there is a there is a joke that for every if every piece of the crowd reassembled you have a forest not <laughs> but what i will say is on that point specifically when you're in rome there are some amazing churches mm. uh, the amazing ones is um Santa Croce in Jerusalem so and it they have their own basically full collection of cruci uh, crucifixion you know so the whole thing is all it and you also have a replica of the Shroud of Turin and it is pretty powerful right so but what's interesting about it is all that stuff come the first the first the first real venture by St. Helen to the Holy Land to get these and that was only a while after so that to me i'm like that's not really that long that would be that would be about the same length of time talking about as, as, as me going and trying to find artifacts from the revolutionary war in america oh right bring it back to my original point <laughs> you didn't answer mine my point <laughs> No, 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 you're, you are right. You are right, right? You're 100% right. But it's also, to, to go back to what we said with this, the same thing. They were about 300 years out as well. Right. So it is in possibility. You know, it just seems that we've lost this willingness to kind of go with, well, why not? Instead of just cutting it off at the bone and going, oh, hocus pocus. Or it's like, well, it could be. Let's test it. Let's dismissing something straight off the bat well that's been tried and we found troy um as, as a result of people not listening to that and i think it's important to kind of particularly when we're looking at this stuff and religion all that kind of stuff we've had these ifs and buts and even some of the romans uh i can't represent this lucretius lucretia lucretius he wrote he's the world's 
the history's first atheist. He wrote a whole thing called On the Nature of the Gods. So even going back to ancient Rome, people were saying the same thing. But cool, as you said, 300 years ago, war. 300 years from, from high Rome was the time of Troy, was the time of all this kind of stuff. It's, it's important to kind of in in some sort of mind, you know. Um, it's fascinating okay, to think about. So, like, it's fascinating sorry, for me to... It's okay. It's fascinating for me to wrap my head around the fact that somebody would say, well, Washington never crossed the Delaware during the Revolutionary War. That's all just made up because it's 300 years in the past. And then you look into it and it's like, mm -hmm. yes, actually, there has been things that have been done ornamentally to enhance the story, but the story itself is true. So it's kind of separating that fact from fiction and getting down to, okay, what can we prove architecturally and through contemporaneous writings and not through the ballads that would have been written to, uh, you know, grandize things. I always found it interesting, uh, like when you visit these sites specifically, um, particularly in Greece, because Greece is um, to this stuff than Rome. You go to Delphi, for example, and the people there are like, this is where Apollo stood. And you're like, with a god? They're like, yeah. And you're like, right. Reactions to that, you're like, okay, but well, that's obviously, you know. Or, well, where did that come from? Why does that, why does that exist? And it's like, okay, well, Who's to say he wasn't there? Could say could man could have been you know one of these great heroes, and then obviously uh, myth become sorry legend becomes myth and all that kind of stuff. But exactly. it's interesting that like Gilgamesh exactly. So example. it's like Gilgamesh, like Hercules, like Cullen, like you know all around the world. There's these these figures that appear and you know do things, and obviously they are they're the men of renown. We talked about this on our Anunnaki series, you know. Um, which we will get back to, obviously, because you know that's an ongoing. But it's 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 funny that these things exist and these stories exist, and digging down is kind of cool. So, I I know listeners of this show are great, but keep an open mind when it comes to this stuff as well, because just because we don't know it now doesn't mean that it's not true. So moving on to stuff that we can actually verify. But also, All right, we're getting Atlantis. <laughs> well, Atlantis, we, we've moved Atlantis. We're going to do Atlantis next week, next time around because Atlantis is fun. No, we're um, just talking about things we can actually think, verify. Yeah. Well, the thing. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the we're going to talk about the Vatican secret archives now, right? Yes. So excited. I have seen scared. I have, I have scared, seen. Though. I have seen some of the Vatican secret archives. I, I kid you not, this is not a joke. This is actually true. Well, so I've got my popcorn in 20, So in 2012, there was an expedition uh, of certain pieces from the, the Vatican archive. It was housed. I'd be very impressed. I have already met, I've mentioned it. I'll give you a hint. It's pretty much exactly where one the uh, the talismans of empire were housed. Would this have been where the scepter of Troy was? Uh, close, 
close. It's the Capitoline ah. Hill. So the Capitoline. Ah, I was going to go. That seemed too obvious. Darn. I know, but I I All thought right. that was quite I was quite I thought that was quite fitting. Where I'm like, wow, two thousand years later, used and it, it's still a museum now to this day. Like you can go to it and it's a museum. See this this uh, special uh, event was only for a limited time, and I just happened to be living there. And I went in and it was incredible. So I have actually seen and can verify some of these things. The expedition was called uh, Lux and Arcania. So I have the book over there and Google that, you'll see it. Um, some of the stuff that they've actually like talked about. Yeah, here it is here. Uh, Lux and Arcania. The, back there, the Pines Gardens. of yeah. Rome, right? Yeah. So the, there's a few things. And what was in it was pretty interesting because, um, yeah, this this is real. Right, this is real. I've seen, I've seen so. Before we get into what it is and what's inside it, let's just kind of go to old Wikipedia, which you guys should always use with a grain of salt, but it's a good jumping-off point. Is a Vatican archives? It's called the Vatican Ap Apostolic Archive, right? And um, known until 2019 as the Vatican Secrets. So it, it's a mistranslation of the word um, secret. It doesn't really mean secret. It means kind of like for the Pope size only. Um, I was so going to say, the... for if you saw it, it can't be that much of a secret if we're doing a show on it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it is quite difficult to actually like get into. And I, I will talk about it. It was founded in 1612. Um, and it is like just reams upon reams upon reams of um, documents, account books that and all that kind of stuff. Can I ask you um, a question, does... like an honest question off the bat here? Absolutely. Why? I mean, I think I, ha I have my own answer for this question, but why do you think they make it such a secret? Why not just digitize these documents and make it accessible to researchers all over the planet? Why only let a select number of people in? Uh, well, it's you can Is actually go hide. In. That's the thing. Under, well, you can, but it does take a lot of permission. Do you think it's because hey, there's some things in here that we kind of really don't want to get out? If we open up all the books, this isn't going to look good. And are we, as a modern day civilization, suffering and maybe going through some of the very same things that they went through that we could avoid if we could have access? To the source material potentially potentially but if it wasn't if it was just not coming in here under any circumstances then i would agree with you but because there is the opportunity to open up and because they did stuff like that it's like look we have this cool stuff um i'm not so much i, I think it's more just the logistic logistics of it like you know most people when they think of the Vatican archives, their mind goes to the Da Vinci Code. And they think da of Vinci Tom Codes. Hanks yeah. walking through the like, you know, the the humidors and all of that. That's where people's mind go when they think. But I would if imagine anything, it's probably if a anything, lot more just scrolls top like stacked on top of each other, maybe not even completely sorted, like that's it. It's not even scrolls, it's more kind of just books. <laughs> <laughs> just loads of books 
I would the Da Vinci Code more sh- kind of shows what Google is like, the inside of a Google mm. server farm more than yeah. more than which to be fair, there's more details to be found there, I think, which we you know also don't have access to. But I think it's I'm being honest, I think it's more just the logistics of digitizing that is unbelievable. The manpower needed for that is unbelievable. The internet isn't great in the Vatican. Um, so you know, I don't think that's going to happen. And also, where do you store the data? How do you data? Well, don't you just mysteriously store it in God's cloud? He can do wondrous things. <laughs> Absolutely. But so here's the thing. The value is small. It so, is. you know, I'm, they're not going to dig up all the stuff that's there to put the server farm in. So they can't hold the data on. What's wrong do with all Pine Gap over GDPR in Australia? And all that stuff, so. <laughs> well, all I'm saying to you, that's probably why. That, no, that actually guess. is but probably the best answer I've ever, ever had. Something that worries. But, no, we'll Dave, before you jump, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you jump right. in, just one second. Before you, there has been a digitized process ongoing since 2018, right? So there's about 180 terabytes of is and stuff like that so they are getting there but remember dude Holy this cow. stuff is like data data is big and it's very hard for data um securely so i don't know how vatican's cyber security division is going if the guys if they want me hey um i will come up <laughs> gladly yeah, hey but other than Pope, that, whichever one of you wants to hire me I'm available. I prefer it's not the Jesuit one. I know you're in charge. We can get into that later, but you know, I can work with you. <laughs> but to be honest with you, to be honest, to be honest with you though, I think it's, I think it's the same reason that like, you know, for, for example, pay is still about 70% undiscovered. Yes. Right. Yes. And it, it's, it's because there isn't the manpower and there isn't the desire and there isn't the funding to do it. Well, you know, hey, unless I mean, if there's we're... hope that's like, Hey, yeah, I'm sorry. But I was just going to say, I mean, you want probably what to me is the biggest egregious example of that in right now happening is Quebec, is a Gobekli Tepe, where we've uncovered about mm. 10% of it, they think. And the other 90% may never be uncovered because unfortunately, Klaus Schmidt has passed. He's no longer alive. There's not, you know, funding mm. for it. And Turkey's like, hey, we have farms there. That's how we make our livelihood. Like we're not giving all this yep. land over, but who knows what? So if we have the biggest find of literally human history buried under the ground because of manpower, then hey, is it really that shocking? That text upon text, which like you say, would make the NSA's uh, building in Utah look silly by size comparison in terms of what it would need to store i mean it makes sense yeah i mean we like saint peter's basilica yeah. we don't really want saint peter's store uh server room <laughs> and that's it and you know i don't think again like for people i'm sort of having this this realization talk about computer stuff that like not everybody like gets what these things are right a server farm is huge <laughs> If you had tried to have this conversation with me a year ago, I would not have understood you. Honestly. And that's fair. And look, that that's a and that's a thing. But I think it's important when people think of a, 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 a it's not just a data farm. It's not it's not just one or two rooms. This thing is huge. It's massive. And just that's storing data, it's running machines, 
of going. And it's also quite expensive. How do you think Bezos made all his money? It wasn't on Amazon. It was on the cloud services. That's where the money comes from, right? Nah, man. It was, by selling, it was by selling college books online. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. But this is it. You know, like Netflix runs on it. Pretty much any kind of service that you use running on an AWS web server. So, or Azure, but, you know, it's mainly AWS. Um, but yeah, so that's to that, Dave. You know, and I think that's that's probably the most realistic aspect of it. But that said, that said, there are stuff that I can verify that's there because I've actually seen it, right? So if you look on the screen, there's some cool stuff there. And the first one is the Tref from Henry VIII. And what's cool about it is these things are massive. These are big, like, old-timey scrolls. Right? And, and we're, uh, we're geeks about this kind of thing. Like, we really do enjoy wax seals. We really do get excited about uh, cylinder seals when we look at Sumer. Like, we actually, there's something about this that hmm. just, I don't know, it, maybe it makes the history feel more real to know the craftsmanship that went into it. When I read an, uh, an illuminated document, so to speak, and I actually see those illustrations mm. that the monks did and the way that they mm. did the calligraphy, it's uh, it's not just writing, yeah. it's not just art, it's a, a spiritual experience unto itself. And that's what they were doing and creating. And that's why it's so Absolutely. wondrous to, to behold. Absolutely, and that's, and that's the kind of thing, you know, and also my question would be, how do you get that stuff across in digital format? You don't, right? You know, the actual letter itself mm. is impressive mm. because it's a work of art, but it doesn't work. The as actual, a tweet. It, it, no, it doesn't work as a text. It's a block of text. The no. next one kind of does, though. The next one is the the actual uh, parchment containing the testimonies of two hundred and alleged testimonies of. 231 knights from the trial of um, the, the the Knights Templar by Philip the Fair, right? This is obviously when the Knights Templars were uh, on trial for blasphemy and immorality, right? This thing is huge. It is 60 meters long and the way they had it set up, it was moving along It's huge. It's unbelievable. And it's incredibly impressive. Digitized would be kind of interesting to go through. Unless you unless you read French or Latin, you're going to have a bad time because it's not in English. Um, but quite good. It's very, very chilling to see in person. It has a lot of power from it, you know. But that thing is real. Those, those first two are 100% real. And something that needs to be said, oh. if we're going to bring that topic up, since you said the word power, it's even more important to be to be brought up. When we talk about the secrecy, maybe something like that you keep secret to a certain extent because it was just a power move. Hmm. You know, one of the biggest misconceptions that people have about the Roman Empire is this concept that Rome fell. Well, the truth is Rome never fell. The Caesar became the Pope. No. Well, and Rome became the Vatican. Yeah. Well, on that point, see, the Roman Empire split in the 15th century. Uh, sorry, it split in the 
fourth century. And obviously the West fell and the East didn't and it became Byzantium, right? But the Roman the Roman way of life, the Roman history, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're right. That it literally is the Vatican. That's why it became became the Catholic Church. And after Constantine converted, that was kind of the push forward. The Pope is a king, the king and emperor of the Vatican, right? That's for years and years and years you could not be a king without the approval of the Pope. And that was long after the fall of Rome. And one of the most inspiring things I've come across is when you read the writings from the Templars who did not get caught up in this power grab and you see where they ended mm. up and what they put forth. What I would kind of get a different but what I will sense say on what that, happened. What, else, what I will say on that, that time period is very interesting because that was when oh, the, the papacy also wasn't in Italy always. Very true. You know, when 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 the Roman Empire fell, it fell into the hands of barbarian tribes. Some were better than others. Um, but the papacy actually had to leave and went to Avignon in France. And yep. the Templars obviously were rooted in France. And then the king, Philip the Fair, was in a lot of debt to the a lot of debt to the Templars, who basically invented and the Pope was pretty much in the Pope's po- uh, the king's pocket and pretty much held at ransom. So, you know, that, that history of it, that's what happened. Yes. These, these facts, right? So, and that this is actually, worth bearing in mind. This, yeah, it's worth bearing in mind because that actually explains for those of you who wonder, well, when we talk about World War II and we talk about Himmler's expeditions, why did so many of them happen in France? It's because so many Vatican mm. treasures ended up in France because that's where the Templar order was as well. So, so many of these so-called occult objects that would get brought into that part of Germany and used in those ceremonies literally came dug up from basements in France that had been hidden under churches. I mean, when you get this whole concept of history together, it, it really helps you get a sense of what makes things function. And this picture you're bringing up is breathtaking. Please tell me about this. Yeah. So there's two pictures there. One is the perception that people have of what's in it. Um, From a wild conspiracy site. Um, (laughs) And the other is what looks an arcane you look like. This is the the expedition that I saw. And this is what I can verify. So this is the Capitoline Museum. And if you can see my mouse there, so this is the Capitoline Museum here. And here is the how everything was left. So mm-hmm. it is breathtaking. But I don't know. I think the, the fun in this conspiracy theory kind of, it's also its weakness. Where I know our problem we also, is we, we, we finally come back to the uh, conspiracy podcast and we're just, we're presenting straight history. There's been very little conspiracy talk on this show. Well, as I said, you know the you know the, the last image is just you know announces the aliens and all this other stuff and Dan Brown, um, right? You know, obviously is is very much to blame for that with the whole Jesus Christ bloodline thing. You know, is what it is. But oh. you know the other stuff on it, there's just there's no. There are some bad stuff that we've seen and we can verify. Yeah, we can verify. So one is from the 
the communications with the Nazis in World War II. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that kind of stuff is real. Uh, it's, you know, you know, there's a thing known as the Hitler's Pope. Well, the cover-up is what's astounding. The cover-up that started in 2018 or so when the Vatican started putting out documents pretending that they were helping to hide people that were being persecuted and always Mm. had these secret plans against the Germans. It makes you wonder, you know, even though we have modern day sensibilities, how much can you trust? Because we're only talking about 70 years into the past. So the, the secrecy and kind of does cloud judgment. And that's it. And that's why I say, you know, when it's more kind of scandalous and stuff like that, it's it doesn't need to be because the real world is more crazy than you know, it's if a conspiracy theory needs make sense, and sometimes it just doesn't. And I think the Vatican City Archives is one of them that is one that is the spectacle and image of it just doesn't pan out in reality. You know, right. it's like I just, from my perspective, I'm like, listen, accuracy that's the problem, and logistics right. that's also the problem. So well, yeah, if they just manage to handle their data better, it will be the, fine. We'd be fine with the data. Or or you talk about, we, we've mentioned it a couple times now with the Da Vinci Code, and we talk about the bloodline thing, and the misconception there is that the meaning of the Holy Grail was supposed to represent Jesus's bloodline moving forward, versus if yeah. you delve into it enough, you realize that no, the Holy Grail actually is talking about the bloodline moving backward. And the fact that when the, here we go, I'm going to throw a conspiracy out there, people, just so we can have something sensational to lash your teeth in at the end here. In order for the new world order to rise, we need to have somebody of a Luciferian belief who would claim to have heritage linking back to King David. And so for that to occur, Mm. that's where you then get this moving forward of the line of David post Jesus, which is, you know, it's, it's a fun thing to explore, but at the same time, Bill Cooper just could have paid his taxes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So there you go. To to, to finish things off. um, I don't know. I would say there's some good books on the topic. Um, if you guys want to check it out, I would say the book, uh, the is really fun because it's a book that you'll probably never hear being brought up, um, just because it's so obscure. And if you want to look into more the Vatican Secret Archives, check on Lux and Arcania. It's quite good. But Dave, um, we're going to reset here and talk we are, about. Can we name drop? I know we didn't do it because we didn't cover it that far. Oh, but can we actually name drop um, the book that led us to actually doing this show? In the first place, I can't pronounce yeah. his last name, so I'll let you take that. But there's um, an amazing book called The Immortality Key. You probably heard it on Coast to Coast or on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. And it's more focused on the mysteries in terms of the mysteries of Eleusis and also Soma that you have running rampant throughout the Hindu religion and what was in those tonics. But he does touch on so much including the secrets of the Vatican archive. And it was actually listening to him that kind of sparked our idea of, well, he's covered the the drug part. We'll let him handle the psychedelics. Mm. Let us delve into some of the history. 
that he went into, which is I mean, we will get there. We, we will get there. Like I think I want to touch on the the mysteries. She been to these places. I've been to Elysium. Uh, so I'm like, I, I I've literally been to these places. So I do kind of want to talk about. Well, not, I yeah, I've been to Elysium, the the Elysium cults. So, I've been there, just not physically. <laughs> but yeah, the book is called the Im- the Immortality Key: The Secret History of Religion with No Name. Brian C. Marerixu. Um And you know, here's the thing: we might not be able to get him on a show because. You know, he is kind of all the hot at the moment, but um, we will definitely review his book. And here's the thing, guys if you're new to the podcast, you never checked it out before, and you have some interest in the topics, um, leave your comments below. Let us know. Um, if you have any guests that you be on the show, let us know that too. That would be pretty cool. And um, yeah, we'll we're going to try to do this more often because we kind of fell out of habit there for a little while of doing the show so um we're going to try to do it more often but and definitely we'll be personally frank this is what dare and i do in our spare time anyway so absolutely <laughs> actually getting to talk about it every couple of weeks or so is something that i think will be good for both of us and the changes we yeah. have coming up in life soon i think this will be a good way for us to uh have some fun and fancy aside from the world of men in tights rolling around and flipping Absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, um, it's one of those shows that we're going to keep trying to do. And, um, you know, topics, let us know under the comments. That's the best way to, to get in contact with us directly um, as well. So the next one coming up is this. So we're probably going to have a bit more fun with that one because um, that's that's wild. And um, yeah. So, guys, we will see you next time here on From the Dark. Bye, guys. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. 